Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. It's now time for our scripture reading. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 through 21. Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 through 21. And he brought them outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he bought them all these and cut them in half, and he laid each half against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in this land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kezanites, and Kadamites, Hittites, Pezites, the Raphim, the Emirates, the Canaanites, the Gashites, and the Jebusites. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Happy Sabbath. It's good to be here again. Let me ask you one thing. Did you guys ever receive a, a proposal that you thought you could not refuse? Did that ever happen to you? That seldom happened to me. Actually, if I had preached that sermon like two months ago, I would say that never happens with me. But like uh, when I was on my way back to, from Ukraine, like I have booked my uh, flight way in advance and like uh, when I got to the airport my seats were gone I guess they overbooked and like uh, they told me like oh we can give you the the like hotel and like five hundred dollars and whatever uh, if you stay another night and like but I couldn't I have all the commitments here already and I insisted, like, no, I, I bought my ticket. I'm, I, I'm here, like, I'm sorry, sir. Like, it's all sold. Then somebody came from the front, like, oh, I'm very sorry we, we sold. Uh, we overbooked. That seldom happened because usually people cancel, but everybody's trying to fly uh, today. But uh, we can give you a first uh, class seat if you want to, and then you can board with no additional cost. Then I thought, should I, should I take it? Uh, no, I, I think I should take it. That was an a offer that I could not really refuse. And it's exactly about that we're going to talk today. We are on, on that uh, ongoing series over the life of Abraham. And um, uh, why Abraham's life is so special. Like he's a guy that, as I mentioned in the last sermon, everybody in scripture tried to associate himself with him. Even God, when he shows up certain times, like I'm the God of Abraham. Like, uh, why? Because Abraham's life is kind of a miniature of everybody else's life. Like through his experience, we can also learn a lot of valuable things about our Christian walk 
and about the God we worship. Because if you pay real attention, you're going to find out that uh, uh, Abraham's story is not really about him. It's about God. So as we uh, dwell in his story today, uh, let's uh, ask the Holy Spirit to guide us to our reading. So let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, thank you once again for another day in our lives. Help us to, as we look to the life of Abraham, to not only uh, find lessons to our own Christian walk with you, but also help us to have a different appreciation about you. Help us to focus on you and your character and what uh, are your plans for each one of us. Dear Lord, uh, we need uh, you now because the lessons of today are so deep, so profound, that uh, humanly speaking, we cannot grasp it. So help us with your Holy Spirit. Be our guide. Bless us. Wash us clean with the blood of the Lamb. If there's anything making separation between us and you, uh, may you wipe us clean now so your Holy Spirit can be poured upon us. As we read the scripture, may we hear not only merely human voices, but may we hear uh, your Holy Spirit speaking with us. Guide us, help me in what to say and what not to say, and uh, help each one of our hearers, both the ones here and those through the internet, to be able to hear not my voice, but your voice speaking to them. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, today, I also gonna, uh, since we're gonna read a few uh, pieces of scripture, I want a volunteer to help me with the reading. Who can help me today? Can you make uh, the mic get to, to Amy? Thanks. Uh, and uh, as you guess, we're gonna be studying Genesis 15. So let's open up our Bibles in Genesis 15. We already read the whole passage, so I'm going to just read again a few bits and pieces so we can uh, uh, get the story together. But I'm going to start uh, talking about that proposal that Abraham received that was too good to be turned down. When we first met Abraham, God said to him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you overwhelming blessings. And uh, I'm going to bless not only you, but your descendants as well. I'm going to bless out people that bless you. And uh, I'm going to give you more than what you imagine. That was a good, uh, a good promise to receive. Uh, but in order to take that offer, Abraham had to do some pretty difficult things. He had to get out of his land, the, the land he grew up, the uh, place that he called home. He would have to detach himself from his father's house. He would uh, have detached himself from his kindred, uh, from relatives. And uh, it was difficult for, for him as we study. He left first his his actually his land, then his father's house, his extended family, then the last and the probably the most difficult was to detach himself from, from uh, his uh, nephew. Uh, that was very difficult uh, to him. And that's where we left off. Uh, now, at this point, when we start the story today, few verses before with what we read on the, on the reading, Abraham was probably uh, kind of looking down, disappointed. Uh, years had passed since the promise and nothing happened. And he was probably wondering, is that really real? 
or like I was hallucinating. What, what, what was the deal? Uh, but at this point, God shows up. And God's intentions is to cheer him up. And uh, God reminds him of the promise that he had done years and years ago. And uh, he reminds him that uh, his descendants would be numerous uh, as the sands of the, the earth, as the dust of the earth. And that for Abraham was probably a very difficult thing to, to grasp. Probably Abraham would be thinking like he would be happy just with one. He, was, he didn't care like about the, 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 his offspring being as numerous as the dust. But at least one. And uh, Abraham was in that place of life. Uh, although that was difficult, he was still believing in God. And we find Abraham uh, sitting on the front of his tent now. In a place that for at least for two occasions in his life, he called home. A place called Mam. Uh, in today's Hebron. Uh, like uh, the West Bank today in, uh, in Israel. And uh, uh, he's there, cooling on the breeze, and uh, till God shows again to him in verse 1. And he says to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I mean, not Abraham, Abraham. Because back then, he was not... Uh, his name has not changed yet. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your sh shield. Your reward is exceedingly great. That's what he says when he shows up on scene on verse 1. Then Abraham turns to the Lord. And uh, they start a conversation. Like, Lord, you made a promise. Uh... I will have like a descendants like numerous, like the sand of the sea. But I don't have any children. What are you going to do? Are you like a, giving me a son through my servant Eliezer here? That's what you're talking about? Uh, that was like a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. Like, and I kind of uh, admire Abraham for, for that because quite often... We approach God as like that distant being, like out there, like we, and we don't have to, we don't have to the courage to tell him how, like it is. Like we try to wrap our words in like nice vernacular. We open the dictionary to get like the most difficult words so we can have big words to say to God and like try to, but that's not what God expects. He wants us to have that heart to heart conversation. He wants to, us to tell him how it is. And, uh, uh, and like especially in the case of Abraham. He didn't ask for all that. God was the one that uh, shook him out. Came to talk with him. He didn't ask for a big family. He didn't ask for anything. But God made all those promises. So now he was uh, inquiring. God how are we going to do that? Uh, so he was questioning and he was asking, God, give me some uh, actual proof that uh, you're going to give me some descendants. And uh, Abraham was expecting something to happen. Uh, and he waited for years. But at this point, he was so disappointed that he made the following question. Let's read verse 2. Could you read for me, Emmy? And so he, he basically asked, am I going to go childless? And uh, my heir will be my servant Eliezer of Damascus? Is that what's going to happen? Uh, and God answered, Abraham, go outside. And look, look outside, look to the stars. Can you number them? Obviously, 
we can. Not even the scientists today, without the science, they cannot number how many stars we have on the universe. And uh, God said, like, your offspring, you'll be as numerous as the stars or as the sand. And what the Bible says, uh, Bible says in verse 6, that Abraham believed it. And, uh, he, and the Lord accounted him for righteousness, for righteous, because he believed. What happens right here is something very remarkable because uh, God took Abraham's faith and exchanged that for righteousness. Uh, Abraham, as we studied before, he was not like a, what I would call a straight up guy because uh, he, like on the, on the story we read last time, he like uh, lied to the Pharaoh. He did a lot of things that he were not supposed to do. And as we keep reading, he keeps going off the rails. Like uh, he's not like a, what I would call a straight arrow. So, and that text is actually important because it shows that God took not his deeds, was not his performance, but his faith, his belief and his trust in God. And and because of that, he declared him righteous. Uh, and that tells us something about God's grace. God's grace is not acquired, is bestowed, is a gift, an undeserved gift. When God looks to me and calls me righteous, when he looks to you and calls you righteous, it's not because what you do or what you didn't do. It's because what he did for you. That's, the, that's what makes it remarkable. When a person, when a person hears God's promises on scripture and believes in them, and uh, God say by his grace that he sees that person as righteous. God said to Abraham that he would have an incountable number of descendants. And uh, God says that he's going to have uh, not only a vast number of descendants, but that his descendants would possess a large territory. And uh, Abraham uh, was flattered. He was happy. But he was, at this point, he was kind of unsure. He knew God, but like, is it God like a kind of exaggerating here? Like, how can I be sure, God? That was his question. At this moment, when he's asking for confirmation, like, how can I be sure that all of that will be true? Give me some actual proof, something that I can stand by. I believe on you. But like, I need that reassurance. And uh, something very strange happened. We probably read that story many times and didn't get it because we read with our 21st century glasses. Uh, and uh, what, what, uh, what was God's answer to his request for proof? Let's read again verse 9. So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Do you know from where this list comes from? Where you see those uh, three types of animals in other places in the Bible? What? Yeah, sacrifices. Uh, it's from the Bible, from, from the book of Leviticus. Those are the sacrifices to be uh, given by the priests and priests, by the common people and by the poor people. All those three different types of sacrifices are for different people because God on the sacrificial system, nobody was supposed to be left off. So if you are a priest or a prince or like a rich person, that's 
you would give the more expensive if you are like a common person, uh, the regular Joe, something less expensive. And if you are really poor, you could just grab one of those uh, turtle doves or not turtle doves, um, uh, young pigeon. That's like it's everywhere. It's free for grabs. So, and uh, that's from what this list comes from. And uh, those are all clean animals using for the sacrifice. That's something that uh, Abraham may or may not know. We know today because we are reading the story after Leviticus was written. But in Abraham, for me, is unsure if he knew that, that already. He might. We just don't know. It's not recorded in Genesis. But like, uh, even if he, do, he didn't know, one thing he knew, that something special was coming, that we don't know. Uh, why? Because if you keep reading, uh, he receives like some interesting instructions on, uh, uh, actually he doesn't receive any instructions, but he does something with, with those things. Let's read verse 10. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. Did you notice that God didn't ask him to do any of that? But he did. God just did like bring all those things. This list of things that those animals. He didn't say could then line this in that, in that way. He did it himself because he knew where God was going. We don't know because we don't live on those days. He knew. He, was his, uh, he asked for confirmation, but God was giving to him a covenant, a contract. That's a covenant is something that we don't do those days. It's more than a contract. It's a relationship uh, between uh, two parties. It's a and usually those covenants on the, on the Bible, they, would, they are meant to be eternal. Eternal in the sense that they would never have a finish unless the object of, the, of their covenant is gone. And uh, we don't have those kinds of covenants today. In our society, perhaps there's just two types of those covenants that we should do. One of them is marriage. Marriage is a covenant between equals between two parties that are the same and it's meant to be for life and uh it's eternal while we are both alive that's why they say like till death breaks us apart but even in the biblical sense it's eternal because on the resurrection we're gonna be all together again but uh in a marriage, you, there is some conditions. What are the conditions of the marriage? That you have to be faithful to your uh, spouse. Uh, that you have to uh, be there for, for her, him or her uh, on the good times, on the bad times, in health and sickness, in riches and, or to poverty. That's are the conditions for a successful marriage covenant. And the blessings are many. It's the relationship, the, the kids, the familiarity, the companionship. Because even after the kids go uh, and fly away, we still have each other. So, and there is many blessings. And uh, so Abraham knew that he was entering in this in a covenant like that why because back on those days uh there was several forms of entering uh in a covenant uh usually a covenant between equals we will tie them up like uh even today if you go to a jewish marriage like the rabbi or the celebrant he's gonna like uh tie both hands of the both persons together uh 
as a symbol that they now they are tied for life. Uh, but there's another type of a covenant that was the, a covenant between uh, unequal parts. Uh, when there was a senior partner, a senior part, like usually between kingdoms. Like, a, let's say you've read on the Bible that the king of uh, Assyria made a, a pact or made a covenant with the king of Israel. So the king of Assyria was like the powerful king, the senior partner, and the king of Israel was the junior partner. That, like the, in, in those scenarios, the senior partner, he lays the rules, he's assumed to deliver what he's supposed to. Uh, and uh, the junior partner is considered the liability, the one that uh, it's most likely to break the agreement. And that's why they would have to cut the animals in half. And they were expected to walk in the middle of the animals and say, like that was a symbolic way to say, like, I know that that covenant is for life, and if I break it, it shall be done with me what was done with these animals. I'm I going to be broken off. I'm going to be uh, torn apart. I'm going to die if I, if I miss this. And uh, that's what, what he was entering into. And uh, Abraham only asked for God, uh, only asked God for a sign. But God answered by giving him something that goes above and beyond a sign. God gives him a, a covenant. So, and uh, then when he prepared this, and he knew all about it, because he was a senior partner himself in many of all those other covenants that we see throughout Scripture. After he prepared this, this stage, he was now just waiting for God to show his presence. So he can perform. So he could walk in between those two. The two sides of the animals. And making his walls. But while he's waiting. Something funny happened. Let's read again. Verses uh, 11 to 15. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses. Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, a horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So here, uh, Abraham is part of a live allegory, like uh, of what's going on. He was there, waiting. The clean animals were there, lay lay down in the way they are supposed to be and then some vultures some uh, birds of prey unclean animals come and try to disrupt what Abraham had done and uh, Abraham although he was old in age he uh, shushed those birds out and that was a kind of a live allegory of what God was planning to do with his own people. What God was saying to him. And it, it becomes clear afterwards on the verses we just read. That uh, uh, God had special plans for Abraham's descendants. Like the clean animals. Represented by the clean animals. But when the unclean animals. The people that are not part from the covenant. People that don't believe in God come to disrupt the lives of his descendants, uh, God himself would intervene and would keep his plans going forward. And that was something that uh, Abraham was enacting for all, our own benefit. That was a metaphor. 
that uh, was, was meant to signal with uh, no uncertain terms. God was saying, Abraham, I will give you many descendants. I will set them free. I will lead them to the land I have promised. But before I do all that, I will take care of you. And uh, on the right time, I will safely escort your descendants. And, uh, but uh, be, even before so, I will safely protect you and escort you to the grave. And uh, you're going to die in peace and in old age. And uh, again, uh, God is starting to use like that I will language. That's a covenantal language. You do that, you use that language in covenants. Uh, you use on your marriage when you say I do or I will. Uh, uh, that's the equivalent of the vows and on the, the wedding. And God is saying, I will do all that. But what was Abraham's condition? What God was asking from Abraham? God was only asking one thing to Abraham. He did all that thing with the animals, but uh, God was just asking one thing for him to trust and obey. When he was on that frame of mind, thinking about those things that just happened, something even more cryptic happens. Cryptic for us, because we don't really understand with our with our 21st century glasses. Let's read now again verses 17 to 18 and pay attention and see if that sparks anything on your mind. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Cadmites, I don't know how to pronounce these, I'm sorry for trashing them. Just all these people, don't get yourself hurt <laughs> on that. The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Ephraim, um, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Okay, so God promised uh, him all that. But before he promised, that has that strange thing. That like, if you are like me, you read this and you don't get it because we gloss over the symbols. We gloss over what's really being said. So in order for us to really get it, let's recap what we learned. Uh, Abraham asked for a sign. God comes with a covenant. Abraham gets right away that he was the junior partner. So he gets the animals, cuts them in half. He's ready to walk. And prepare and make his vows. Because he knows he was the junior partner. It's like a mortgage. Like uh, when you go to the bank. The bank gives you a series of conditions. And you have to pay in time. If you don't pay in time. You, uh, the, you lose your house. You go to the streets. And uh, why? Because you are the junior partner on that, on that type of agreement. On that type of covenant. And uh, the bank is the senior partner. They are delivering for you, no matter what the house, but you have to keep your part of the bargain. You have to uh, keep paying what you pay. And uh, in that culture that Abraham lived, he understood that really well. So he knew he was the junior partner. He was fully expected to, and knowing himself, know that he would screw up. Like he was ready to walk on this and uh, by walking on the middle of this he would say uh, I will lay my life for my unfaithfulness if I break it this so that breaks should be broken off and that was done so we could show see the real gravitas of entering on that uh, on a covenant like that we could see how serious a lifelong covenant like that was. And he understood that very well. But then God flips the script on him. Because what he sees going through the 
middle of the animals. He sees a pot, and from this pot we see that there is a column of smoke, and the description is very similar to something that you're going to see just on the next book, on the book of Exodus. The column of smoke that guided Israel through the desert. And then he sees as well a torch that also created like a sort of a column of fire, just like the one that guided the people of Israel and protected the people of Israel during the night. So what Abraham was really seeing there, he was seeing a graphic representation of God's presence and his protection around his people. So God himself was the one uh, walking through those, uh, through those dead animals. Like uh, when God was asked by Abraham, uh, Abraham, I mean, God, are you sure you're going to give me that? Like, why? God could rightly say, because I said so. I'm God and I'm saying I'm doing, I'm doing. I don't need to prove you anything. But God not only gave a sign, but entered on that covenant. Not in the way he, were, he was expecting. He flips the script. And uh, uh, now he's showing how, uh, I don't have any better word, but how eccentric God's uh, grace is. Like how marvelous it is. Because uh, Abraham stands back and he realizes what was happening. God, that was the senior partner, he became the junior partner for us. He was putting his life on the line. He was saying, not only Abraham, if I break this, I'm going to lay my life for you. But he was also saying, if you break it, I'm the one that's going to pay the price. I'm the one that will be broken off. I'm the one that will be despised by men. I'm the one that will lay my life to save you and your descendants. And uh, God shows himself by putting his life as collateral for that covenant. And uh, if that covenant was ever broken, he would be paying. Let me ask you, did Abraham broke this covenant? Yes or no? Yes. And not only Abraham, every descendant of Abraham ever since, and in everybody before him as well. We break it every day because we are also part of this covenant. Although that was made with Abraham for his descendants, what the Bible says in Galatians 3 verse 29 is, if we are in Christ, if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that promise is also yours, is also mine. I'm part of that covenant. Uh, because like a mortgage, a covenant is also generational. Like uh, when Abraham died, his, co his offspring were still part of that uh, thing, wherever they like or not. In the same way, if I die today and I don't make provisions, the mortgage of my house, my kids have to pay. Otherwise, they will have consequences. Uh, so... And uh, what God was saying here is that like every time we sin, every time we break that covenant, God lays his life. And that's why uh, he's taking out the risks. He's assuming all the penalties for our breaches. And uh, there is an a extra layer that's foggy for Abraham. But we can know now. Because we know about the cross. We know about the Calvary. We know that Jesus died. And how scripture describes his death. Like that uh, uh, 
a greater darkness involved our earth. Same thing that Abraham experienced. If you remember what we just read, like a great darkness uh, was around Abraham on that, on that day. But God himself experienced that and gave his life on the cross for you and me. Through centuries, generation after generation broke that covenant. And uh, one, some broke because they didn't believe it. Some broke because they were not interested. Other broke because they allowed to be distracted. But uh, through that physical representation that uh, Abraham saw, the pot and the torch, he uh, knew that God would never forget his covenant. He, God never forgot the darkness that enveloped the earth on the day that Jesus died. He put his own death as the guarantee that every children of Abraham, you and me, would go to the real promised land, no matter what we do by our mistakes. Uh, he laid his life so we could receive what we don't deserve it. Because he received what we deserve as he died on Calvary. He, and because he died, we have the certainty that in Jesus we can have eternal life and a place on the city of God. And that's why Jesus died on the Calvary. And uh, that's why Jesus had to walk that valley of death in order to guarantee that every children of Abraham, every one of us, everyone who believes in Jesus and his promises would have unfettered, paid in full access to eternal life and to God forever. And uh, that was probably what is in was in Jesus' mind in uh, John chapter 8, uh, verses 57 and 58, when uh, he was being quizzed by the Pharisees. The Pharisees saw themselves as the senior partners and Jesus as like the, the small partner on the scene. And like they were challenging his authority. And uh, then Jesus uh, uh, says that like they are not even children of Abraham, true children of Abraham, because God could even raise from the stones, and he started to challenge their authority. And then they get mad at Jesus, and like, uh, like, uh, and they say to him, are you not even 50? And you think you are better than Abraham? What are you talking about? And then Jesus says what is on our verses 57 and 58. And uh, you are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And uh, they uh, got right away that he was saying that he was the great I am from scripture. He was the God of Abraham. Uh, the one that showed up to Abraham, the one that showed up to Moses, and uh, uh, then verse 59 says that they took stones to stone him because they thought, oh, that's blasphemy, and, uh, and, and uh, but before that, on verse 66, he says to them, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad, because he knew the experience that Abraham went through. That the darkness that he saw was a mere, a mere, a meek shadow of the darkness that involved earth when Jesus was, that, uh, was killed by you and me. When he saw God walking through the sacrifice, he, by faith, he saw that one day, God himself, he probably could not wrap his mind around on the how would have to lay his life for his own failures. And Abraham believed, the Bible says, as we read. And 
God uh, took his belief, his faith, and declared him righteousness. He's righteous. Faith was Abraham's currency. And that's why my appeal for you today is for you to put your faith in God. As Abraham was called, we are also called to be part of that covenant. That covenant is for you and me. As Abraham had several tests through his life, we also have several tests and trials to our life. But this one was probably the easiest one that uh, he had to, to, to do. And the one that enabled everything else. He just had to put his confidence, his trust, his faith in God. And once he put his faith in God, although he was still imperfect. And as we're going to see in the next, next few chapters of his story. Although he was still imperfect, he was still failing. But because he keeps surrendering his life to God, God could always raise him up to even to a level uh, that was superior to what he was before, learning through his failures. God also invites us to put our trust in him. If we trust in him, he also can call us righteous. Not because what we do, we're going to, as Abraham, we still quite ways to go on our journey. But if we surrender our life to him, putting our faith entirely on his hands, he can do the same sort of things he did on the life of Abraham. And uh, if we fail, if we stumble and, and fall, that's not a problem. That's already paid for. Jesus already died for you and me. So, and uh, we have never to forget that the covenant that he now proposed to us is far better than what he proposed to Abraham. In uh, Jeremiah 33, he says, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Not like the old one. But uh, I'm going to put my words in your heart. And through my spirit, I will enable you to do things. So it's not reliant on you. It's, it's reliant on himself. We just need to open up as Abraham did. Open up our lives to allow him to guide us. We need to surrender to his love. We have just to believe. And uh, that seems incredible. And it is. It's an offer that you and I cannot and should not refuse. So I want to close with a prayer. And in this prayer, I want to surrender my life and yours to God. Even you that are watching through the internet. I want to surrender our lives to God. And I will give you a few seconds during the prayer to talk with God. I don't know what are the things that uh, keep you from fully trusting on his love, fully trusting on his plans for you. But I want you to take the chance now to say yes to him and uh, believe that he will get you through that eternal city. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, today we have such an amazing picture of you. You didn't need to prove anything to anybody. You, you, you could just destroy Adam and Eve. You could just said like, Abraham, I'm going to do because I said so. But again and again and again, you show your love and kindness and your grace by doing what's not even required for you. You laid your life on Calvary for each one of us. So, despite our shortcomings, we can be brought anew by the blood of the Lamb. Help us to ask Abraham to put our faith on you, to believe on your promises, to trust your love for us, and to lay our life entirely at your hands. That's something hard for us to do. Each one of us have little areas on our life that we, it's, it's hold, it's, we hold near. We don't want to give completely, not even to you. But I 
ask us, I, I ask you, dear Lord, in my, in my own behalf, but in also on the behalf of all of those that are hearing me today, here on this temple or through the internet, I ask, help us to let go of our own uh, little precious things and surrender everything to you uh, and trusting in your love and grace as Abraham did. And uh, at this moment, I give to each one of us a little time so we can fully give to you our lives and start a new walk as Abraham did, being by faith led by you step by step. Oh, dear Lord, hear our prayers. Accept our surrender. Give us the strength and even will to do it because we don't have it in our own. Guide us and help us to have faith. Trust not in our own performance, trust not in our own capabilities, but trust entirely on you. That you're going to take us by the hand as little children and guide us step by step in our life from here on until eternity. Take each one of us. Make your promises come true on our lives and uh, bring us to the place, to the home you prepared for us for eternity. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.